Hey y'all, and welcome to the Imperfect Company Podcast. I'm Arlena. And I'm Mariah. And we're so glad y'all are here. Uh, Normally we do our intro chats, but honestly, we don't really have that much new stuff to talk about. So we thought we would just skip the intro chat and get right into today's episode. And then hopefully we'll have something exciting to talk about next week, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully it's not just the same old stuff and working and whatever, but yeah, uh, our lives are boring sometimes. Absolutely. And I know that there are some of y'all who love the intro chats and there's other of y'all who like skip ahead of them. So, you know, if you love our intro chats, we will be back with them, I'm sure. And if not, then this episode is for you. But, but in today's episode, we are going to talk about something that we kind of teased a couple episodes ago, which is having a single niche versus multiple niches and what that means, what we recommend, what do we do? What do we think about it? So let's just go ahead and get right into it. Okay. Well, to start us off, I'm going to throw it over to Arlena, aka queen of definitions to (laughs) give you guys the definition of a niche. When we talk about a niche, we're usually talking about a niche market segment. So I'm going to use a definition by Shopify because it was one of the first ones I came across and I really liked how it was worded. But a niche market is a segment of a larger market that can be defined by its own unique needs, preferences, or identity that makes it different from the market at large. So again, um, basically every market can be further refined or divided by specific needs and preferences of the individuals. So again, according to Shopify, who has a great blog on niche markets, the most common ways to define a niche are based on price, demographics, quality, psychographics, and geographics. So those are just a few things to keep in mind as we go forward. We aren't going to dig too much into this definition, but I wanted to make sure that we had it ready up front for y'all. So that way, when we mention a few things about having a niche, you guys understand that what we're really talking about is a niche market segment. I think there's kind of a myth out there when you start a business and you're thinking about kind of your niche and what you want to sell and, or what services you want to offer. I think there's a myth and I don't know where it comes from exactly, but I think that sometimes you feel like you have to have one niche, one specific niche to be a successful and thriving business. But we're here today to talk about both options and how both options are valid. You can have one niche and be successful and you can have multiple niches and still be successful. One of the most important things to keep in mind about having a niche is most of the time, I think the reason why some people focus on picking one niche is because it's much easier and generally more affordable to start with one niche when you're starting your business versus starting with multiple, which Mariah and I both typically agree with. We're going to talk a lot about how we are generally a fan of having multiple niches, but it normally comes with time. So personally, for most people that I've spoken with about their businesses or their business ideas, I generally recommend to them that they do pick one niche or what I would call a target market for their product and then start with that and can expand over time as additional ideas and like more revenue comes in. A great example of this to think about is Nike. So, you know, Nike started with running shoes, but if you go to Nike now They have shoes for just about any sport that you could play or just casual shoes if you don't play sports. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that when they decided to start selling shoes, they didn't sell shoes for every single sport at first. You know, they picked a niche, they had what they were passionate about, and then over time grew what they offered. And I think that's a really straightforward, great example of being able to keep in mind that you can have an extremely successful business with multiple niches, because you think about it like this, right? Like Nike's target audience might be like fitness enthusiasts or sports enthusiasts as a whole, but then each of their lines or sporting goods inside of that are inside of that big market and create these smaller niches or target markets. When I'm thinking about my own business, I think about how I started with one general niche and that was wedding stationery. You know, it was kind of combined with calligraphy, but for the most part, that was the same niche to me. Um, Now I have expanded my offerings to also include branding. And that niche is totally different than the wedding niche because weddings are, you know, your main clientele are brides, couples, that kind of thing. And for branding, it's small business owners. Those are two completely different target markets, but I didn't start with both. I started with one, eventually grew, and I also have my Etsy store, but for the most part, my two main niches are my wedding clients and my branding clients. They're two different ones. There's a benefit to both options, to having a single niche and having multiple. The biggest benefit that comes to mind with a single, just having one niche, is um, it allows you to really take that, that target market and gives you the opportunity to dedicate all of your time and energy into that one target market, then you can hopefully become successful in there. Absolutely. I mean, it also allows for you to become an expert in that field, right? But we could even zoom out from like the example you're giving. And because I think about this with my own business, so I'll, I'll say it kind of because I think it speaks for both of our businesses and applies to what you're talking about now is when you zoom out even farther, right? So we're talking about these two target markets, these two niches that you have in addition to your Etsy shop and we're zooming out. But the reality is, is that the bigger market for you is those individuals who appreciate hand lettering. And with your business in particular, it's the mix of those old fashioned techniques with like the modern vibes that you bring and that personalized touch. Whereas same thing with me, right? I might sell a lot, like a lot of different things. And I honestly think that like niching down is something I have really, really struggled with because I get excited about doing so many things. Um, and I'm a little all over the place sometimes. Um, but The good news is again, like regardless of who my ideal audience is or my ideal customer is in a specific niche of mine, when I zoom out for me, it's somebody who enjoys hand lettering, right? Even if all they like to do is watch videos on Instagram because they think they're satisfying, they're there because they enjoy them. And the people who buy for me oftentimes are people who appreciate my hand lettering and they would prefer to have, you know, a hand letter design as to a font. And the same thing I think with your clients. So, so again, just to kind of make a visual, even though y'all can't see that I'm talking with my hands as I'm trying to describe this, you know, there's this big circle of let's just call it calligraphy lover 
lovers, right? Or people who appreciate calligraphy. And then within there, there's a ton of Venn diagrams that represent different parts of that market that make up different audiences. And so Mariah is giving these examples specifically in regards to her wedding clients and her stationary clients, whether it's a wedding or a baby shower invite. Um, And she's also giving these examples of branding and you know, sometimes those people overlap, but not always. Most of the times they are separate, but there is some level of like a Venn diagram. But again, remember that these people in particular, most of the time are her customers and her clients because they appreciate her work. And the reason for that normally is obviously they appreciate and love her hand lettering. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly right. The way that I frame my business and like my tagline is exactly what you said. I combine old fashioned techniques, aka calligraphy. I do printing and things like that um, to create modern design. And that can be a descriptor of my wedding stationery, my branding, my Etsy, uh, because I use my calligraphy and my design on everything that's in my Etsy store. So you're right that it's one big thing and it It all depends on how you want to frame your business and what you want to actually sell or what you want to monetize. We talked a lot about the monetization aspect in our episode two weeks ago, and that is something that might change your niche or pick up an additional niche or things like that. Because if you're going based on what we talked about, where you're monetizing what you feel joy from, um, it might be an altogether different niche. Like I used the example of uh, if I wanted to sell macrame someday, I feel like that's a totally different niche. It's not even under the umbrella of people who like calligraphy or hand lettering. It's a totally different option. But if I found joy in that, then it would be okay. But it would be difficult in the long run, having to market to a whole different subset of people while I'm still marketing the rest of my products and services to another set of people. Right. That's a really good point. I think the other important consideration is like the amount of time that you spend, like becoming an expert in things. So obviously like not only do you gain like knowledge and expertise, the longer you do something, but ideally you become more efficient at it. And so I think when you add on these additional niches and you're kind of spreading yourself a little bit thinner in certain areas, sometimes you lose a part of of that efficiency for lack of a better term. So yeah, I don't think that is a make or break consideration by any means, but it is just something I think to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you do choose to add on to your niche or add additional niches or whatever, based on products that you're selling, for me, at least I wouldn't add anything on or start marketing towards a different niche until I feel more like an expert. So I would be doing a lot of behind the scenes work, but that's also time that you're taking away from, you know, your work week that you could be designating towards marketing and uh, working on your other ones, but then, you know, you're testing this new thing. Do you feel like you had like a specific struggle when you added on your branding clients and really ramped that up? Or do you feel like you really um, had a good balance on your stationary clients to where it wasn't too big of an adjustment? So when I did start doing more branding, I wasn't doing a ton of stationary. Like my business hadn't grown that much. um, So I had plenty of time to devote to it. But The process was totally different and it was an adjustment to working with small business owners rather than just 
brides or whatever, but I already had a lot of things in place, um, like my client management system, uh, which is Dubsado and different things in my business that I had kind of established while I was doing stationary. So that helped a lot and kind of saved me some time in the long run, but it was different and difficult. And the beauty of what I got to go through though, is that I didn't really have to focus on marketing as much um, and working with target audiences because basically my entire branding market right now is like cookie people. And they, they focus so heavily on word of mouth that they basically do the work for me. And they're the reason why I have so many clients is because of that. And so I think I had it. I was lucky in that way because I didn't have to focus on marketing too much and I didn't have to change kind of the way I was approaching that. And word of mouth marketing is like gold in a Mm -hmm. small business owner's mind because like you said, I mean, they do the work for you in the best way possible. And it's because you already had a strong brand. You had Mm -hmm. strong processes in place that made the process go smoother and Mm -hmm. it made the learning curves, you know, a little bit less curvy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I had to learn things really fast and it kind of helped me to not overthink things. I think that's the biggest thing is I didn't overthink you know, my questionnaires and things like that, because I didn't have time. I literally wanted to get the process in place. Like my first few clients, my big clients, the ones that are the reason why I'm so established in the cookie community, they were uh, kind of a more casual approach. (laughs) I didn't have as much in the ways of like email communication, questionnaires, all that stuff. So, um, that was a little bit different. But then once I started getting more clients, I realized I could be utilizing like Dubsado so much better. I could use it more like my stationary clients. And so I really switched over quickly to work better with the branding clients. I feel like being a business owner, like the trial by fire is some of the best ways to learn. I love the way you mentioned, like not overthinking it, because I feel like that is my biggest piece of advice to myself and to other people I talk to is like, don't spend too much time behind the scenes without also spending time getting yourself out there because you're going to think that you've perfected the process, but when you actually start doing it, you're going to quickly realize you actually haven't. And so, you know, there's like a balance to that where like, if you work too much behind the scenes without actually like getting yourself out there, I feel like you just end up like in this endless rut of like decisions you have to make and things you're trying to perfect. And I do that to myself all the time. And then I remind myself like, okay, no, let me just get it to like good enough and where I'm happy and then put it out there and I can work on it over time. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, yeah, there's a balance. There's like a a middle ground where you don't want to just do things without thinking, obviously, and start things without like doing the proper planning. But I am definitely an overthinker. So I, uh, I agree that that's, uh, that is one of the things that I mentioned to people is like, don't overthink it too much. Like, you know, do the research or whatever, but just try it. What's the harm in just trying it? Especially we talked about last week, we talked about on Etsy. It's not a huge amount of money that you have to put down just to try it, to add another listing, to add another service by adding an extra page to your website. Like it doesn't have to be expensive for you to kind of test some things out. 
A hundred percent. I think the other really important thing is as a business owner, like there is nothing better than an additional income stream. So if that's your website being one and Etsy being another and passive downloads or courses you're selling or whatever it is, you know, having those additional streams is so crucial um, to get you through the slower seasons to really build up your business and allow you to grow without adding on employees, without adding on your time. And so that's another thing to think about when you're thinking about niches, you know, you can still create multiple products and multiple offerings to serve the same niche. So although we're talking a lot about serving multiple niches, keep in mind that there is nothing wrong with serving one singular niche in a ton of different ways. And actually, most often you see, again, the beginning stages of a successful business, that's how they do it, is they offer one thing to their ideal client. It ends up being like a badass successful offering. They keep offering more to that client or again, that ideal customer base. And then all of a sudden they're able to grow that and expand that and expand their offerings. And again, slowly increase their niche and increase their target markets. And I really believe like that is the way to do it is that slow and steady growth. Yeah, I think the the benefit to having either multiple niches or multiple offerings in the same niche is that there's less pressure on you as a business owner to be 100% successful in that specific thing. So if you have one thing you're focusing on, you have, I'm sure other business owners feel the same way that you have so much pressure on your shoulders for that one thing to do well. But if you have multiple things going on, you know, maybe if you didn't do so well with one thing one month, you, uh, you and did great on another thing one month, it might even out. So it kind of allows you to test new parts of business, to try out new things and see what's going to be the most successful. And it might be something that you turn into one niche one day just because you're testing things and seeing what works. And, you know, I think of my branding and my stationery. I love doing stationery, but branding is where I make the most money. So I don't know if one day I'm going to focus exclusively on branding and have that be my one niche and not do stationary anymore. I don't know. I probably won't because, you know, I love it, but um, <laughs> it is possible. And that's kind of, it's like with different businesses, you kind of never know where you're going to be in five years. And I, it's good to test out new things if you are interested in them. Yeah. I think it's important too, like just to follow not only the money, but just like what you're passionate about, what you're excited about, right? Like if one day stationary, like didn't bring you the same level of joy anymore and you wanted to focus exclusively on branding, like having the confidence in yourself to be like, you know what? I know I've been doing this forever, but I think it's time to step away. Like that is such a hard decision. And it's no different than people who have had to step back in their careers, make crazy life decisions. Like I, I have so, so much respect. And like, that is one of my goals in life, right? It's like hoping that I am never scared to make like a crazy life decision. Even if it's a very small, crazy life decision. Like I just always hope that I have the confidence to like make those tough decisions that end up being like the best decisions you can make. This is a little bit of a shorter episode, but we want to kind of start wrapping up. And I realized towards the end of this episode that I've been throwing around the topic of the ideal customer, but I haven't really defined it in the same way that we defined the niche and the different demographics at the beginning. The biggest takeaway that I want you to take from this episode is that you aren't for everyone. So figure out who you are selling to and define them with demographics. 
for me personally, I think it helps to make them more human by giving them a story and building a buyer persona. And if you Google it, you'll see tons of free blogs and worksheets that can help you along the journey of building the buyer persona. Knowing who your buyer is helps you figure out everything about them. And it means that you can also figure out what their buying journey is. It helps you figure out how you should be communicating with them and what social media sites you should be posting on and what type of content you should be posting and how you should be connecting with them. It really helps you figure out every aspect of your business. And when all else fails, going back to your mission and your vision as a business and who you are serving, that ideal customer, your ideal clients is huge because again, when things get shaky, let's say you have a launch that really flops. It is so helpful after you're done, like feeling the emotions of it to be able to go back to your basics and say like, okay, this is who I am and this is who I serve. So what else can I do? Whether you have one buyer persona in one niche or multiple personas over multiple niches in multiple markets, we just want to make sure that you leave this episode feeling confident in the fact that you don't have to pick just one, but you also don't have to feel pressure to have 20. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the biggest part of it is awareness. You want to be aware of what's going on in your business and you know, you have to think about it like, okay, how many niches do I have? So I need to do all of the different like business things like Arlena said, like find your ideal customer and um, do all that around each niche. And once you're aware of exactly what that is, then you're going to better be able to better serve each of those clients and customers. And you'll know kind of where to put your efforts and how to best reach them as separate kind of whole separate entities. It also helps you feel like you're not spinning your wheels, right? Because it gives you direction. It gives you the ability to really focus and hone in on what you're offering. And that's all we've got for y'all this week. Yep, that's it. A nice little shorty episode. Yeah, just a quick one. So we hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week with a brand new topic. And until then, we hope y'all have a wonderful weekend or whenever it is you're listening to this episode. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Company Podcast. If you haven't joined our community on social media yet, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Imperfect Company and Facebook at Imperfect Company Podcast. You can find Mariah on Instagram at MJ Creative Co. And you can find me, Arlena, at Bossy Brushstrokes. For more information about today's episode and to see all of our other episodes, visit imperfectcompanypodcast.com forward slash episodes or use the direct link in today's episode description. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco. We will talk to y'all next Thursday.